Hey, I'm Colin. Um, I'm the guy you hear talking on this podcast every single week, interviewing people. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to say sorry. I've been so just inconsistent with this podcast ever since starting it. I've always put so much hype behind it. Um, and I'm just going to say now sorry because uh, I want to do this thing every single week, but I've just failed to do it because life has been so hectic. But um, I'm getting to a point where I'm able to do it every single week. And so I want you, the listener, to know this. Every single Tuesday, around about 5 p.m., there will be an episode. Um, I'm going to release them um, every single week, and we're going to keep doing this as long as we can. I've got about uh, six to ten episodes prepared, so that's two months of episodes to get us on track and going and not stopping ever again for a couple months. And so um, please share the podcast. Let everybody you know that this thing is going to be popping. Uh, another thing that we're doing now is, hey, DM the Instagram, piecing it back together, P-E-A-C-E-I-N-G-I-B-T. On Instagram, DM me. Let me know, what do you want to learn about? Because I want to make episodes catered around what you guys want to hear. And so that's what we're going to do is um, we're going to take your suggestions and I'm going to reach out to people and we're going to study and then we're going to put together things so that we can teach you and we can help you and we can all walk together to learn more about Jesus. Um, you know, whether that be philosophical, psychological, you know, psychology, um, theological church history about Augustine, Calvinism, about the book of Thessalonians, whatever you want to learn about, let me know and um, let's tackle it together. Uh, I did want you guys to know, though, before we get into this episode, you're going to hear us refer back to the last episode and you're going to wonder, where is it? I deleted it. I don't, I, I didn't see a need for it. It was just an episode getting to know Jack, the speaker in this. Um, and I, I think I just came to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to pass. Um, I think we should just jump right into learning about discipleship. And let me tell you, Jack is so wise. Um, he is so well versed on things about discipleship. And yeah, I think you're going to love him. I love him. He's an amazing guy. Um, yeah. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy that it, we are back. Um, finally, um, let everybody know what the, what the, the whole town know, piecing it back together. The podcast is back. Um, yeah, but I hope you enjoy this episode. I love you. Jesus loves you. And, um, I hope you learned something like I did. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Welcome to the Piecing It Back Together podcast. My name is Colin Ellis. I'm the host of this show, and this is part, uh, I would say, two. Would you call this part two? Part two, part one and a half, if you weren't content with the last episode, but that's yeah. okay. Part two. We'll call it part two. Part two of uh, of a five-part series titled Discipleship uh, with my good friend, my RC, Jack Jones, Good to be back. I mean, it's the same day. <laughs> we so. literally haven't moved. Literally it's haven't moved. 10 minutes after the last episode, but no one needs to know that. Anyways, uh, as we spoke about last episode, um, we are talking about discipleship, which Jack, if you would inform us again, what the uh, definition of discipleship is. Again, they're going to get tired of hearing this, but I'm going to say it over and over again. So discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships that are empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Yes. And so uh, as we go throughout this episode, throughout each episode, we're actually breaking this down piece by piece. If you look at the title, um, this episode is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God. And so Jack, um, I mean, I assume we 
get right into it. There's That's fine with me. Not yeah. much that we really have to cover. <laughs> um, and so, Jack, my first really like question to you um, is kind of give us a definition. What does intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God, why are we talking about this part of it? Why is this a snippet out of the discipleship um, uh, d- description? Why is this even a part? Why is this the beginning of the description? So I think oftentimes when we talk about discipleship, people are like, yes, discipleship's awesome. I want it. I want to be a part of it. Jesus did it. And then we say, okay, what does discipleship require? What does it look like? What do you do? And we go, ooh, um, I, I read my Bible. And you're like, oh, awesome. Like, and it's these things. So I think we, we so often forget where to begin and don't know where to begin when it comes to discipleship. So I think this disciple, this, wow, sorry, this definition gives clarity into, you know, what does it require of us? What are we doing when it comes to discipleship? So immediately you get into intentionally equipping believers. But what does that mean? What does that look like? I think we talk about intentional intentionality and being intentional all the time. But what does that mean? So the definition of intentional is done on purpose or deliberate. Mm-hmm. So intentional means there is conscious thought given. There is time put into it. There is there is reason behind an action. So it's not it's not pure happenstance. It's not by chance. It is deliberately done. But what does it mean to equip? So we're going to do something on purpose. It's going to take time out of us, and there's a reason why we're doing it. But how do we how do we equip, and what does it mean to equip? So the Webster's dictionary Webster's dictionary definition of equip is to supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose. Okay, so if you were you know going to go camping in the wilderness, you would need to be equipped with you know maybe some food, some shelter, some water, things you would need to survive for your the purpose of camping, which is to survive in the wilderness. But what does that look like for a spiritual walk? So, and this is something we'll get into later in this episode, but we're equipping people with the word of God. So the word of God is the necessary item that we need as we go throughout our daily lives, as we interact with people, as we try to, you know, figure out everything regarding life. We need the word of God. And the particular Amen. purpose I think is I think is life, I think it's ministry that we do, and I think Ministry is not a specific job title or a specific position you get, but we're all called to ministry in one way or another to walk alongside people and point people back to Jesus. And then this is this is where it gets fun. You get to the idea of believers. So how are we going to define believers in this sense? Mm. Is it, you know, do you have to have certain qualifications to be a believer? Do you have to be an upper echelon per se of a believer in order to receive this wonderful, you know, program of discipleship. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say believer simply means you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and you have a desire to grow. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's very simple, but you look at the disciples that when they were called to follow Jesus, they they were just fishermen. They, you know, did not have all the knowledge in the world. They were not, you know, the the ideal number one candidates per se yeah. to, you know, be world changers, but they they had a heart for People, they, Jesus saw something in them, and what did they do when they were called? They simply followed, and they were open to what Jesus told them. So I think for you to receive discipleship wherever you are, I just ask yourself these two questions. Am I following Jesus? Have I made that intentional decision to you know, follow Jesus and trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And do I want to grow in this? Do I want to be, do I want to know Jesus better? Do I want to see the world differently? Do I want to understand the word of God better? I think that's what qualifies for a believer in terms of this definition. 
Yeah. And I think, um, I think I read this in a, I heard this in a sermon. It was by John Mark Comer. You'll hear me quote him all the time because it's, it's my favorite pastor. Um, He's wonderful. Oh, in, incredible. Um, but there's, there's three stages to apprenticeship. Um, apprenticeship, as we described in the first episode, being, you know, the, the fancy word for student. And that's what we do around here. We use fancy words because we're smart. We get degrees in this kind of thing. Amen. Um, <laughs> but uh, the three stages of the apprenticeship is uh, you watch, I do. I do, you help. I watch, you do. And so this goes into our relationship with Jesus. And so as we, I think as we go down the line of um, you know, describing discipleship as a whole, beginning in this place of, you, know, you, you kind of touched on it, what a believer is, someone who wants to intentionally grow and who believes in Jesus. And I totally agree with that. I think I think sometimes we're really judgmental. There's just a random thought that popped into my head. We're really judgmental and you're like, well, I don't I don't know if they're a Christian because they say they believe, but their life hasn't changed and they don't start they haven't stopped doing this and they struggle with this. And it's like, well, how long have they been saved? Yeah. Like, I think I think there's a balance with that. And I think as as followers of Christ, there there's part of it that we worry about our own salvation that make sure we first ourselves are following Christ. I think scripture is very clear about that of, you know, you won't be able to take the speck out of someone's eye with a log in yours. So make sure you're you're putting yourself up to Christ first and that you're evaluating your own heart and your own intentions when you're viewing other people. I think that's at first. And I think we'll talk about this more when we come to accountability, but how to how to in a healthy way hold other believers accountable and what does that look like and what's the difference between accountability and judgment. Yeah. But I think there's a, there's a middle road I'll say. Yeah. And so before we get into talking about how can people listening to this intentional good believers, how can they as a believer um, being someone who believes in Jesus and desires to grow, how can they intentionally equip themselves? Yeah. So I think uh, it's, I mean, there's a, where do I want to begin with this? Um, you have the word of God probably in front of you right now. Um, you, and you may be like, well, I'm not physically holding a Bible. You have access to the internet. I promise you can, you know, go look up a translation of the Bible or you have you version downloaded. The Bible has never been more accessible and praise God for that. Um, so if you're, if you're not spending time in the word, first off, I think, I think you're doing yourself a disservice and I think you, uh, there's, you're missing out on, you know, what, what God might be saying to you. I think oftentimes we, we've all wanted to know what God's trying to tell us, you know, is God real? Is God speaking to me? How do I hear from God? All of these questions will be in his word. I think, I mean, I think first and foremost, like God speaks very, very clearly through his word. So make sure you're spending time in the Bible. Make sure you're spending time in prayer. We'll get in this when we talk about being empowered by the Holy spirit, mm. but you know, be in communion with God you know, send your request to God, but also sit in silence and listen to what God might have to say to you. And then I think finally, you know, make sure you're surrounded by a solid community of believers, whether that be through a church, through your local church, which I highly recommend. You have friends that are believers that you want to surround yourself with, but we're not meant to do life alone. Mm. I think I heard a pastor say once that the devil works in uh, isolation, but Christ works in insulation, basically Mm. saying the devil wants you to be by yourself, wants you to think no one understands me and to put yourself in positions where you can't seek accountability and can't seek community. But the Lord works very clearly. And you see throughout the narrative of scripture with large groups of people who are open to hearing from him. Yeah. hundred percent. 
when when you're growing in this in this sort of discipleship to Jesus and, and you're in your in your walk um trying to figure out how to grow I think there's like this this long period in your in the beginning of your walk or especially for and there's no hate on the church the American church especially there's a lot of churches that I've I've been to always and experienced this where there's a lot of you should there's a lot of converting but not a lot of discipling and I think that's a, it's a, I think something Dallas Willard said was, you know, our goal was not in Matthew 28 to make converts of Christianity, but to make disciples, students, and people who want to be like Jesus in the end. Um, the, the end goal of your discipleship to Jesus um, should be to be like Jesus. Um, that that was the point of being someone's student in the in the first century and in that in that time period in the Greco Roman era. If you were the apprentice of a rabbi, apprentice is a student. Apprentice is a fancy word for student, yes, but it also more so contains to you want to be the very person that you are being taught by, and so uh, you should want to be like Jesus. Now, obviously, you're not going to be God. That's not what we're saying. I think it's very confusing sometimes. When we say be like Jesus, we mean hold the characteristics. He's gentle. He's lowly. Uh, he is love. He is forgiving. Um, he walks away from sin. He, yeah, I mean, that's many, many characters and aspects uh, to who Jesus is and to who should, we should become as people and followers of Jesus, followers of, of the way. Um and so, you know, as we're talking about what this truly means, what the intention, uh, what it means to intentionally equip, intentionally, wow, intentionally equip go. believers uh, with the word of God. Um, I mean, I feel like the best thing to do would be to go to the word of God. And so, Jack, give us some sort of biblical basis, if that makes sense, um, as to why we do this. Because obviously... Um, with any topic we talk about, there needs to be some biblical reasoning behind why we do it. Mm. So what is that? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to take, you know, verses, you have like Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, which is, I think, you know, males use this all the time when we talk about, you know, sharpening one another, because it says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That comes from Proverbs? That does come from Proverbs, believe it or not. I so thought that was in the New Testament. Nope. So Proverbs, That's, There's not a verse like that in the New Testament. I mean, there there might be, but I'm I'm giving you Proverbs 27 right now, so... Oh wow! I totally I, that makes sense, but I totally thought that was in like Corinthians or something. Well, and then you also have like First Thessalonians five eleven, which says, "Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing." So you have these verses that yeah. talk about walking alongside and you know motivating one another and sharpening one another, but also look at different characters of the Bible. So you have the character of Moses. Okay, so Moses, you know, leads the Israelites out of Egypt and is supposed to lead them to the Promised Land, but oh no, Moses sins and messes up and is not allowed to go in the Promised Land. So who's next up? It's Joshua, okay? Joshua follows Moses. So we see that there's this relationship near the end of Moses' life where he's instilling wisdom to Joshua. He's equipping him for the journey, for the mission at hand, so that Joshua can go in and can lead the people to the best of his abilities. Selfishly, Moses is probably going, Joshua could never lead like me. Like, like I'm Moses. Like Think about all the things I did. But Moses sees the greater narrative that's taking place and sees that he's you know, just a tool in the hands of God being used for a greater purpose and understands that what God has given him is God ordained and that now it's Joshua's turn. So he's equipping Joshua for the journey 
or even someone like Eli and Samuel. Samuel uh, is given to Eli by his mom as a child, and Eli helps Samuel recognize that it's the voice of God talking to him. Eli's probably freaked out a bunch of times when Samuel's like, dude, you called me? And Eli's like, no, I didn't call you at all. Oh, I love that story. He's like, no, I didn't call you at all. But Eli could just be like, Samuel, what are you doing? Go back to bed over and over and over again. But Do you Eli- mean Elijah? No, or Eli. Eli. This guy's name is Eli. Oh, okay. This guy's name is Eli. Sorry, I'm blanking on a lot right now. Hey, you are all good. But Eli basically in this moment understands what's going on and says, okay, next time, here's what you do. Here, here's what I want you to do. And it allows Samuel to have his first conversation with the Lord. And think about how we think of Samuel today as this wonderful prophet to the Israelite nation, someone that exceeded the things that Eli did. When I say Samuel, you know exactly who I'm talking about. When I say Eli, you go, do you mean Elijah? Like, exactly. So that's part of it. But, you know, instilling the people that come after us to do more than maybe we could do with our current, you know, situations. But also it comes back to Jesus and the disciples. This is what Jesus did with his disciples. He walked alongside them for three years. He taught them everything that they needed to know, and he equipped them from the, for the journey. Mm-hmm. From when they were first you know, called to right before the ascension, Jesus is equipping the disciples to go do ministry across the world. That's not to say Jesus couldn't have done that all himself. Yeah. But the greatest part about one of the greatest things about the gospel is, is that if it's going to other people and it just so happened to get to you in that process. Yeah. And how wonderful is it that something so great, something so massive, something so far and above human understanding, you get to be a part of and you get to play a role in someone else's story. I think that's fantastic. I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible that the Lord wants to use us. I know there's there's kind of not off topic, but also off topic. There's, there's so many people that talk to me about this and my, even myself, I mean, this happens all the time. I'll be sitting there. I always have days where I'm so, I just put it as simple as it's so sad. And I'm just like, man, I don't think God wants to use me. And it's like, no, Jesus, God could 1 million percent do all this himself. hundred percent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. And he is able to be everything at all times, but he doesn't want to. He wants to include you in his process of bringing people to his family. I think that's beautiful. I think that's that almost that makes me feel fuzzy inside. Well, it ultimately gives more glory back to God. If God does everything himself, it's okay, cool. God did that. But if God uses and no offense to people, something so broken, something so messed up, something so flawed in so many ways to accomplish something so great, who gets the glory? Is it the flawed creation that gets the ultimate glory or the creator that equipped that flawed Mm. creation to do the great thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, all things, as the Bible says, all things point back to the glory of Christ um, and, and to his coming. And so remember today that, you know, as we continue talking on about this, the only reason this episode even exists uh, to intentionally equip believers with the word of God is because God wants to, first of all, equip you, but wants to use you to equip others. Now, I'll also say this because there's a lot of people that probably listen to this and are like, well, I'm not very good with the word of God. And, you know, I don't, I don't know it very well. I read it and I forget it. I don't know how to study. Well, that's okay. I just want to affirm you and tell you that is okay. Um, there is so much room to grow. I've been a Christian for, was it 2022? Like three years now, three, four years. Um, 
And that to me is like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of, a lot of years, but I can't even imagine in 20 how I'm going to have grown. And so I want you to do the same back up today is today. Learn what you can grow in the Lord, pursue him as if tomorrow may not come. And in 20 years, if God willing, you're still alive, which I hope you are. Um, that was so, that was so morbid. That was so Dang, dark. I don't know why I said that. It just that. took a turn. Um, but like, you'll look back and go, wow. Uh, if you truly pursue the, pursue the Lord, because the only way to be equipped is if you actually take the tools God gives you. Yeah. And I think, and I also want to say this. So for intentionally equipping believers, you might be sitting here and you go, okay, so when I, when I finally get enough of that wisdom and I get enough of that knowledge, I'll be able to do that. But know that uh, Esther 4.14, we love to quote, talks Mm. about you are where you are for a reason. But that includes today. If the Lord wanted you to be somewhere else, you would be somewhere else. I think that, I think we forget that. And I'm going to quote a lot of this person's writing. Uh, he's, you know, one of the gurus of discipleship. I'll, I'll point forward to him. His name's Robbie Gowdy. He wrote a book called Marks of a Disciple, M-A-R-C-S. That's an acronym. I will be quoting that a lot, I mm. promise. But the M of it stands for missional. So what does it mean to be missional? I think when we think of missions, it's going overseas or going to, you know, places where they don't have clean water. Zimbabwe. They don't have any of these things. So we think that's missional. I'm definitely not going Zimbabwe, like no clean water. I'm just saying that's where my friends normally go. Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> but for mission, you can be missional where you are. And this is how uh, Pastor Robbie defines uh, someone on mission. So someone on mission is three things. It's intentional where they are, always looking for divine opportunities and willingness to be taught. Mm. Wow. Notice notice how none of that is based on prior knowledge or how good you are at talking to people or how much uh, wisdom you have or how old you are. I'm going to say those three things again. Yeah, Disciple please. on mission is a believer who is intentional where they are. So where are you right now? Are you at college? Are you at home? Are you doing ministry right now? Are you in a different country? Are you being intentional where the Lord has placed you right now? Yeah. Always looking for divine opportunities. How sad will it be when we get to heaven and we, you know, maybe get to look back on our lives and see how many opportunities we missed, not because they weren't there, but because we weren't even looking for them in the first place. Mm. How tragic will that be? Can't see something you're not looking for. So do you have the eyes to see where God is moving? So often we ask, you know, what would Jesus do? But uh, Justin Walker, who's one of the Mm. uh, SOR professors here at Lee University, says we should change that question so what is Jesus doing? Dang. What is Jesus doing around you right now? Where is he working? And are, will you be willing to go alongside him in that work? And finally, do you have a willingness to be taught? Are you, are you a lifelong learner? I, I'm sitting here as someone who loves discipleship, is passionate about discipleship, has things to say on discipleship, but I have so much room to grow. I have so many things to learn. There are so many people who have poured into me that have allowed me to be where I am today. And that's just the the tip of the iceberg of discipleship is what we're getting to talk about. Yeah. And that comes with humility. I, I want to try to quote, I forgot what this book was. Actually, no, I, I completely honestly, I think it's from this book right here. That's sitting right next to Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp. hundred percent read it. If you desire to go into ministry, um, it's called Dangerous Calling. It's by Paul David Tripp. He's, incredible. But uh, he says, and he says, the root to Jesus is humility. 
like the what paves the road to Jesus and moves all the junk out of the way is humility because humility is that sense of now okay you know what I I'm gonna drop everything like um let's take Nicodemus for instance you have the story of Nicodemus in John three John seven and John nine um if you want to read it please I encourage you to do it you see this Pharisee who was a part of the Sadducees if you don't know who the Sadducees are they were basically the Supreme Court of Israel. Um, they were like the leading, they were a religious group that was the leading political group. Um, and most of Sadducees were all Pharisees, the leading religious group in Israel at the time. And so Nicodemus being one of the high up priests, he goes to Jesus in the night, like a thief in the night. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, just laugh. And it was, <laughs> um, where I'm so funny. Anyways, he goes to Jesus in the night and, uh, he's, he's, you know, asking Jesus questions and you see him walking next to Jesus and you kind of see these little interactions, but you don't ever see him drop everything so that he can actually follow Jesus and everybody know this. And so a part of this whole discipleship thing and, and a part of, of you know, being a student is being humble humiliation is the crucifixion of the flesh. It's what uh, we talked about today in our mission of the church class with coincidentally, Justin Walker um, comes from a, a book life together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, you know, talking about humility being the very thing that will cause you to truly live so much greater in community. Um, Cause humility is what causes you to listen. And I mean, that's, that's a huge thing that I've got a huge thing I've had to learn um, you know, humiliation, not just humility, humiliation leads to humility. Humiliation is not a bad thing. Humiliation often is a great thing and you're just uncomfortable because you don't like it. Uh, cause a lot of the times we'll be like, someone will say something. I don't know. They'll say like, Oh, like, Oh, you're so ugly is a joke. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not instantly you're defending. And now to be fair, that is like a mean thing to say to someone, <laughs> but like, it's just a, it's just a thing that comes to mind. Or like someone like you're in a band and they're joking like, Oh, you're, you're so like, bad at that and you're like no like nah but you know you know i'm good and you start defending yourself humility humility doesn't need to defend itself humility stands firm in who christ says you are and if someone asks oh who are you you say oh well, i'm i'm a child of god made in christ you know redeemed by his nature covered in his like you don't have to say all that and you don't have to get so like all biblical on them but like point is be okay with humiliation i don't know why i went off on this rant i, I just think it's very important to have a mindset of being okay with being humiliated because that when, when your flesh is flesh is crucified, that's a good thing, but it's so uncomfortable. I think so often when it comes to discipleship, we want to be, we want the focus to be on ourselves and we want, we feel that we need to justify ourselves in so many means. But I think especially when we talk about intentionally equipping believers, that's very others focused and others centered. And I want to read a quote by uh, Dale Carnegie uh, he wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. That is a fantastic book. If you yes, are you're interested, honestly, in doing ministry of any kind or just being involved in people in any way, highly recommend this book. But he has this quote where he says, You will do more in the next two weeks showing a sincere interest in others than if you spend the next two years trying to get others interested in you. Dang. Read that again. Uh, it says, <laughs> You will do more in the next two weeks showing a sincere interest in others than if you spend the next two years trying to get others interested in you. 
So when you're doing ministry, are you, are you focused on having other people try to follow you? Are you worried about what other people think about you, how other people perceive you? Are you the focus of your ministry or are you people focused? Are you focused on finding out where they are, where, you know, their struggles are, where their needs are, and ultimately pointing those things not to yourself, but back to the person of Christ. And when we do that, that is the the opening steps of intentionally equipping believers. That is in, inherently others-focused, not self-focused and not self-centered. And by doing that, we are taking on the character of Christ. We are walking our daily lives, doing the things that we would normally do, but instead taking time out of that day to pour into other people and to be poured into ourselves. And I think that's that's the beauty of this first part of intentionally equipping believers, and that's why I think it's its own section. Yeah. Because we want to emphasize that in in this discipleship relationships that you hopefully will enter into after listening to this or in, in your future ministry, that it is inherently others-focused. Will you grow out of discipleship? Yes. Don't hear what I'm not saying. If you invest in discipleship and the Lord leads you in that time, you will grow. Yeah, I think there's there's this quote um, by uh, Paul David Tripp in that book that I was talking about. And it, it I remember reading this quote. I've never forgotten it. Um, and it, in all honesty, like, think about this. And then even if you need to pause this, just kind of sit there on this because it's, it's really, it really rocked me when I was reading this. Uh, it says, you are most humble and gentle when you think the person you're ministering to is more like you than unlike you. Meaning when you minister to someone, if you think you're the wisest person in the world, assume they are also wise. Uh, you know, this is a quote that makes you go from sitting on a pedestal when you disciple someone to sitting at their feet. Because ultimately, Jesus', Jesus um, position when discipling was never above others. No one bowed down to him. He bowed, well, I mean, you're the woman with the flask, yeah. And and people do bow down, but you know what I mean. He wasn't like Meta- metaphorically. Metaphorically, he wasn't like bow down to me. No, he actually got at the feet of others, at the feet of his disciples, uh, tax collectors, Judas Iscariot, who he knew would later betray him, um, Peter, who would later cut someone's ear off and also deny Jesus. You have all these prime characters, disciples. You have to remember that Jesus led from a posture of being at their feet. He led in a posture of servitude. I mean, what's that verse? Uh, Jesus came uh, not to be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think when it comes to this whole topic, it's just it just has to be this huge culture. Sh- it's a huge culture shock to people mm-hmm. when it comes to being a student. Because in in our in our day and age, we have social media, and you know, I'm I'm. Uh, criminal of doing this, but doing everything in order to impress people. Mm-hmm. Every single post, everything you write, every, you know, picture or whatever, it's your, it, the best of your best. You edited it so much. You sat and asked all your friends if you should post it. And, you know, we have a day and age of highlights. And I mean, we would watch highlight reels of basketball, highlight reels of football, highlight reels of whatever you want to, I don't know, what's that one uh, Olympic game uh, with the brooms? Curling, curling of highlights of cur. I don't know whatever you're interested in. Um, point is, we live 
in a life full of highlights when Jesus was, he didn't focus on the highlights. I mean, he just focused on wherever he was. And so that's, that's that intentionality part. Um, yeah, that you were talking about. And I think discipleship, you're, you'll get some highlights, you'll get some wins, but, and I think Colin can attest to this as well in our discipleship relationship. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of, you know, hurt that we go through. It is not every day is sunshine and rainbows and perfect weather conditions at all times. There are real storms that come into our lives. There are real hurts that happen. There's real pain. And discipleship is not running away from those, but it's honestly embracing the challenge of walking alongside people, even when walking alongside people is hard, is difficult, and is not the thing we want to do. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he ate with sinners and unrighteous people and tax collectors. But so often we want to cast those people aside because, you know, they're not, you know, Christian enough or they're not, Mm. they're not someone that God could possibly use. But when you enter into discipleship relationships, whether you're being discipled or you will be the one doing the discipling, there's a lot of, there's a lot of real life that has to be done. Yeah. And the question I want to ask you, I'm a, I'm a person of questions you'll see as we go throughout these episodes, but are you willing to sit in the mess of someone else's life? Dang. It's a hard question. Give them time to think. <laughs> well, I mean, I think so often we try to fill gaps of, you know, when we ask questions, we immediately want to answer. Yeah. Think about what that really implies, what that means. Think about the stuff that you've gone through. How much would it have meant for you in some of your darkest seasons and darkest situations for someone to come, not not Bible beating you or not trying to rescue you immediately, but just to say, hey, I, what you're going through really hurts, and I'm here. Yeah, I mean, look at Jesus and John 8. Or John um, 3, is that where the, John 4, where the woman at the well? Uh, we'll just say the woman at the well. I'm not woman at the well. Me. Yeah, woman at the well, and then John 8 with the woman. Um, caught in adultery. Caught in adultery. Uh, look at his response. This is a what would Jesus do moment. In, in your discipleship relationships, when you're discipling people, um, or, or when you are, you know, trying to lead someone because i mean that's a big thing in christianity we lead each other we're all meant to uplift each other uh the church which is the the building church but also the church body the whole purpose of it is to edify the saints it's like what are the purpose of it it's to be a community a family who is striving i mean if, if i were to give you a running definition off the top of my head of the church a community of saints purified in the blood of christ walking towards jesus and pushing each other towards Jesus. That's like the definition that I would probably give for that. And so, you know, you look at these stories, what what would Jesus do? Well, what did Jesus do? I think that's that's an even better question. Um, so look at the woman of the well. What did he do? Hey, can I have a drink? She was like, oh yeah, for sure. He's like, if you even knew who was asking you for a drink, as if she's all knowing, um, you know, he's, he's so sarcastic, but also so not sarcastic, obviously. Uh, I think we're just sarcastic anyways, uh, you know, asking her this and then he's telling her, if you drink from me, I'm the living water. And then, you know, saying, Oh, you have, you have a husband. Um, she's like, no, she's like, Oh yeah, I know. Cause you just, you know, end things with your fifth. 
husband. And he's not like, you terrible, ugly, awful sinner. He's like, it's okay, I forgive you. And I forget the exact thing he says after it, but he, he's, he's so, I, I can only imagine Jesus hugging her, being like, I'm your loving water. I know you've had five husbands. I know you've struggled in life. And I know you have no meaning to yourself because of that. But I give you meaning through the water that you're going to drink from. And I will never leave you thirsty. He says, now go, go and talk about it. Go tell everyone. A woman in that time telling her to speak about it, Oh my goodness, that was revolutionary. He was a millennia ahead of his time. Uh, the woman caught in adultery. They bring her to Jesus and he says, all right, if you want to cast you know, stones at her, cast uh, the one who cast the first stone, let, let him be the one without sin. Jesus is the only one that's without sin. And one by one, starting with the old, they walk away. He's left with just Jesus and this woman. He walks up to her, probably her trembling, sits down, says, hey, why are you being condemned? Where are your condemners? I don't condemn you. Actually, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Now, he elicits not to sin no more. But point is, what did Jesus do? He intentionally was active. He was present. And he didn't throw the word of God. I mean, he was a word of God, but you know, he didn't throw the Bible at them and a bunch of verses and self-help. He was in the time of need, their God, their forgiver, their father, and their friend. Mm -hmm. And when you are discipling someone, you, Dietrich Bonhoeffer explains this in Life Together, when you, um, when you uh, confess sins, when you are hearing someone's confession, or, you know, I would even argue, even when you're discipling, you take the place of Christ. You are now presenting to them Christ and who he is. Your actions should resemble Jesus. And so as they talk to you and as you give them advice and as you do life with them as life did or as Jesus did life with his disciples every single day, crossing oceans and walking on water together, are you willing to sit and listen and love and hug them rather than giving a motivational speech and sermon? Because people don't need that. In discipleship, they need your intentional love, not your, I don't know, one-liner with no depth. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about this more when we talk about accountable relationships, yeah. uh, which I'm really excited for that episode. But I think you've also transitioned us really well to talk about uh, with the Word of God. Yeah. What does that properly look like? What does it mean to equip someone with the Word of God? How do we do that? How do we make sure that we're properly equipping people and not equipping people to just go out and Bible beat but uh, in uh, Robbie Gowdy's book, Marks of Disciple, Marks of a Disciple, uh, the S. So I've done M, which is missional. I skipped to S. I promise we'll hit all five of them. I we'll get the arc. Yeah, we'll get that. We'll get to the arc when the flood comes. Uh, but the S is a uh, scriptural. Okay, so in your discipleship relationships, number one, they should be missional. They should be uh, others focused. You should, you know, make sure you're seeing people where you are, walking alongside people. But they're also supposed to be scriptural. So, Colin, I'll ask you first, <laughs> what does it mean for a discipleship relationship to be scriptural? Like, for you, what do you think that means? Dang, for, for me, I would say a discipleship relationship uh, to be scriptural is a few things. Is to, number one, replicate what scripture says in action. So, eating together, I think, is a big thing. Taking communion together or having communion, not, not taking communion, I would say, I would say more so just having that sort of like communal kind of relationship. 
Um, but then secondly, having the word of God implemented in between every conversation and implemented into how each other talks. So, you know, accountability. Um, I know there's many times where Jack, I'll come to Jack and be like, dude, this is what I'm struggling with right now. I need to be account like accounted for it. And he'll give me scripture, but he'll also be there to account for me and be someone that can watch out. So yeah, it's a very long answer and. Which is completely fine. Yeah. I'm asking just, I'm just asking your opinion. So, uh, what Robbie says, so there's three ways for these, uh, relationships to be scriptural. So number one is praying with expectancy to hear from God. So mm. when you're in discipleship, who is the leader of that relationship? Is it you? Are you saying that, that out of everyone there meeting that I am the most knowledgeable, that I'm the person people should be following, or is there a recognition that, Hey, there's, there's something greater there's something far above and is there something so much, so much better than what I can say. So are we praying first off and are we praying with expectancy? Are we praying bold prayers, but also expecting God to come through when we pray? Mm-hmm. So I think that's number one. Number two is read and journal the scriptures daily. And a loud sigh was let out by everyone listening <laughs> in that moment. Because it's it's the stuff that we've done at church camp. It's the stuff that pastors have been saying to do for years. And yes, it is still important to read and journal the scriptures. It's almost like we, we say it constantly because it's like something you sh- should do. And so anyways. But I think, I mean, if you want to have scripture on your mind, if you want to have these things be, you know, manifested through thought, word, and deed, you need to be in the scriptures daily. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. If I if I played some of the most popular songs right now, you could be able to sing a lot of the lyrics to me or at least be able to give the beat or do some things. Why is that? It's probably not because you listened to it one time. Yeah. It's probably because there were a multitude of times you've listened to it. You maybe looked up the lyrics. You maybe saw some people dance to the song, but you spent time with that song learning it so you could understand the beat, the rhythm, and understand the lyrics as well. But we don't want to do that with Scripture. Mm. And how much more should our desire to be to do that for scripture rather than some song that, you know, at the end of time will, will fade away just like everything else that is not of God. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things someone ever told me, I think I read this in a, yeah, I read this in, I think it's an emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, you know, Pete Scazzaro, I might be wrong that it's Pete Scazzaro saying this, but anyways, someone said this think it's emotionally healthy spirituality. He says, uh, why don't we treat scripture as if it's a text from that person we have a crush on? You know, when you get a text from like that person you like, and it's like, you, you read over and over and over. They're like, oh, hey, do you want to go out Friday at eight? We can go bowling, just you and I, and grab some dinner and cuddle. And so you start showing all your friends. You're like, oh my goodness, look at what she just sent me. Like, oh my gosh, she likes me. You're freaking out. You look back to the text all day because you're just like smiling at it. You can't stop staring at it. It fills you with so much joy. But like, what about the word of God? Why don't we treat it like that to look at it and go, oh my goodness, there's that notification. I mean, you open it, like you open it and it's like the notification. It's like, oh, there it is. It's the word of God. This is living, breathing and active and changes me. This is literally God's word. I mean, that's something I fail at recognizing, something I fail at getting excited about. And we should be, oh, so excited about the word of God. And so when we get in it, we're just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm open to Hebrews 4 right now. 
We read, for the word of God is living and active. If that's the thing that excites you for the day, if that's the scripture you want to meditate on, look at it all day, put it in your notes app, put a notification on your phone, text it to everyone. I mean, don't annoy people, but obviously like you look at it and you're just like, oh my gosh, for the the word of God, for the word of God is living and active, for the word, you know, you, you keep going back to it and it becomes this like falling in love with it because the more you look at that girl or guys text and the more you think about them, psychologically, the more you begin to like them because you keep picking out all the good things. Do it with scripture and the same thing happens. It's a psychological thing. It's falling. I mean, it's, it's the process of falling in love. Colin wanted to call me his boss, so I'll talk about my actual <laughs> boss. Uh, her name's Megan Allen. She huh, is the discipleship ministries coordinator here. And she uh, has our chaplain team uh, work through scripture. Why? Because she says, what's on our, what's on our thoughts becomes uh, what our heart desires, Uh becomes what our mouth speaks, becomes what our lifestyle looks like. So what does that mean? It means the things that you meditate on, the things that you are taking in visually, auditory, all of these things are on your mind. And then they can become things of your heart, which influences the things you say and ultimately changes and affects what you do. So, Again, if I like, I love rap music. Rap music is my my favorite genre of music. I listened to J. Cole's new album, The Off Season, highly recommend. It was really good. I listened to that whole album and I could see myself, you know, picking out beats really easily that those, those words would easily come to mind when those songs would hit and I'd be able to sing the whole song. But I also saw how my lifestyle was affected by some of those words that constantly came in that I might have been a little angrier that I might've viewed people differently that I might've been a little shorter with people. So as good as that music is, it ultimately affected my lifestyle in a negative way. Yeah. But think about if I replaced all that time listening to that album with scripture, Mm -hmm. I would have spent that time in the word, how much different would my thoughts be? What would my heart feel? What would my words sound like? And what would my lifestyle look like? And I think when we get to this last part of how your discipleship relationship remains scriptural, You'll see what I mean by this. And this was, I remember when I presented this to uh, the people that I entered into discipleship relationship with in August, I got, I got pushback galore when I said this, but it's scripture memorization. Mm. It, is, it is something that I, that I've hit home with Colin and with the other people on my team uh, very hard and very significantly. You can attest to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm making sure that you are equipped with your verses in season and out of season. But why do I do that? Do I do that just to punish you? Do I do that? Cause I want to like that. I have some power trip and that I just want to be like, ah, you have to memorize scripture. No, there's a reason to it. I promise. So if you look at Ephesians six, Ephesians six is where you get the full armor of God. So you read through it and you get all of these things, but you notice that you get to like three, like item three or item four. You're like, these are a lot of like defensive things. Like you got, you know, a, a breastplate, some shoes, a shield, all these things. You're like, hold on. Like, what am I going to attack with? I'm like, am I just going to be on the defensive the whole time when I'm going through spiritual warfare? But finally, in verse 17, at the end of verse 17, you get to your weapon and it's a sword. You're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I get a sword. Okay. It's the sword of the spirit. You're like, it has a cool name too. Oh my goodness, the sword of the spirit, what is it? And then you go, oh, well, well it's, it's the word of God. 
Yeah. Ooh, that that's the offensive weapon we have when we're battling against sin and when we're battling against the enemy. It's it's something that is the only way we can combat that ourselves. So my question is, how much do you know scripture? Because when you go out into battle, you would hope that the people defending our country, oh, the book just fell, defending our country and you know going to battle for you would know how to use their weapon. Imagine imagine someone going into battle and never knowing how to use their weapon. That would be horrible. You would not want that person fighting for you. But we do that so often in our daily lives when it comes to Scripture. So much so that if you look at the temptation of Jesus, who knows Scripture? The devil knows Scripture. Mm. He is able to quote Scripture to Jesus in this temptation. So if the devil knows Scripture... Don't you think it would be important for us to know scripture? Like if that was our one offensive weapon and the devil knows how to use it and how to twist it, how much more should we be called and should we be equipped to use scripture when it comes to battle? That's what I'll say. And it's not like I'll speak to my own life. Like there'll be temptations of like anger in my life. And it's not like the devil like just pops up and goes, Hey Jack, uh, it's me, the devil, you know, we've met before. Um, I'm here in like five minutes or so, you're going to have somebody walk into your room and you're going to want to be angry, but I'm going to give you a five minute timer to find a scripture on anger. Okay. If you can find it in five minutes, uh, you're good to go. But, uh, if you can't get it in that five minute timer, it's over. That is not how temptation works. If that's how temptation works for you. Awesome. My guy. Wow. I'm glad that you have a five minute timer before you're tempted, but here's what it more practically looks like. I'm just kind of sitting on my phone after a long day, and then there's the temptation to be anger. Boom. Mm. Right there. Okay? So in that moment, do I know Scripture to help me calm down from being angry? Or have I missed my quiet time? Have I missed time in the Word? And am I going to give in to that temptation? That's why I think Scripture memorization is so important. Because when it comes to temptation, when it comes to acts of sinfulness, and when it comes to conversations you have with people, I mean, we've all walked alongside people, or if you haven't, I promise you will, walked alongside people who are struggling with real hurt, with real pain, and with real sin. Yeah. And it's, I mean, as much as we want to go, hey, it'll get better, three pats on the arm and walk away, there are some scriptures that are actually be very helpful for people, and that you can point them back to the person of Christ amidst certain struggles. But if we haven't spent time in scripture and we haven't committed it, committed it, wow, to memory and to in our heart, then we're not going to be able to walk alongside people very well. No, I mean, even scripture itself, 1 Peter 5 8 says, um, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He, yeah, he's not, he jumps out of the, the bushes, he doesn't just walk on the road. And pass it. He goes, oh, hey, hey man, how are you? Doing good? No, he's like, super quiet. Boom, gotcha. Sin, temptation, fall. Somebody was just driving in their car and almost got in an accident because you scared them with that boom. Oh, I please don't <laughs> get in an accident. It, oh, man, that would be so, oh, gosh, that's horrible. so unfortunate. LOL. But I think that's the the importance of Scripture is it is our only offensive weapon. Mm. So shouldn't we want to equip every believer with the weapons for war? Yeah. And so, Jack, you know, we've through this whole episode, we've talked about um, 
how can someone first be a disciple, be a student, be an apprentice to Jesus, and grow in that way, growing in humility, growing in the things of that sort. Uh, we've talked about how someone can become intentional um, in, in, in how you can truly be equipped and also equip others. We've also talked about why and what the Word of God does and why it's so important, talking about your job to do for others, to do for yourself, um, and how to do it. But, uh, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up, you know, part two of discipleship, you know, talking about intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God, what are, if if you were to say just a few things to those listening, like if you were to be like, oh, these are the things I want you to take away these are what I want you to do with all of this knowledge that we've given you. What are practical things people can walk away today and go do for this next week and the rest of their life to learn to be a better disciple mm-hmm. to and then to also intentionally equip others better? Um, so before we disciple anyone else, we need to make sure that we ourselves are being discipled first by Christ and then by people who are ahead of us on a spiritual journey. So whether that be a parent, a small group leader, a pastor— Make sure you're being poured into in a very intentional way because so often we try to pour out of our own strength, but we don't have that much we can really offer people. So then when we're dried up and not being filled by Christ and being filled by other people, we can't serve other people well. So make sure you're being poured into number one by Christ, but number two by other people. And then I want to give a really practical way uh, to actually work through the word of God because you might be sitting here and going, okay, well, the word of God is important. And you want me to, you know, pray with expectancy and journal scripture and, you know, memorize scripture. Jack, that's really difficult. You have anything to help me do that. Well, I want to give you a method to journal scripture and then I'm going to recommend an app for you to help uh, memorize verses. Okay. So for my journaling method, you can look up any journaling method you would really like to on Google. I promise there are a multitude, but the one that I have found the most helpful, uh, it's called here journaling. H-E-A-R. It's an acronym. It stands for Highlight, Explain, Apply, and Respond. So very simply, highlight uh, what's a verse or a set of verses or a chapter that really stands out to me. What what am I looking at? What am I going to journal about for these next uh, three little acronym pieces? But what verse do I really want to focus on? Explain. Explain what's going on. What's the context? Who's writing? Like, why, why is this verse important? What is being said? Like, why were certain words used? Give me give me the overall explanation of what this verse is saying. A is apply or application. Okay, so awesome. You've pointed out a verse and you're, you know, telling me what's going on. What does that mean for my what does that mean for you? What does that mean for whatever day it is where you are? Or what does it mean when I'm walking to class? Or what does it mean when I'm, you know, going into a meeting? Or what does it mean when I feel really sick right now? What's the application of the verse you picked out? And finally, R is respond. So in this time, I encourage you, write down a prayer to God. If your verse is really highlighting on wisdom and discernment, maybe your prayer is, Lord, give me wisdom and give me discernment. Or maybe give me the opportunity to practice wisdom and discernment. Or maybe you challenge yourself. You're saying, okay, you know what? I want to be wise and have better discernment. I'm going to seek out someone who I think is really good at wisdom and discernment. And just ask them how they got good at that. I'm going to learn from those people. So I think that's a very simple way to work through scripture. And I think picking out a verse and working through all that, I think that's 15 to 20 minutes. 
And, and think about how much, I mean, on Sundays, we all get our little screen time notification for, for us Apple users. Okay. We all get our screen time notification. Imagine if you just took 20 minutes out of that average. My average is insanely high. So it's probably higher than many of yours. I think it was around eight hours this past week. It's insanely high. But imagine, am I really losing out on so much if my average is then seven hours and 40 minutes? That's just 20 minutes a day if I decide Mm. to spend in the word. So that's a very practical way for you to, you know, be journaling through scriptures daily. And when it comes to memorizing verses, I am horrible at that. I'm so bad. My memory is not good. But I encourage repetition, number one. So write them down on some index cards. Carry carry some old-fashioned index cards around and work through them. But if you're like, I'd rather be on technology, there's an app called Verses, okay? Not like Verses as like two things against one another, but Verses as in Bible Verses. And it's, you know, a really easy and kind of fun way to memorize Scripture. You play some mini games, you you do some different things, and it actually helps you memorize Scripture, Super easy. It's free to download. They should also sponsor this podcast because it's a great app. That's facts. You can pay for different versions of the Bible if you want to memorize, not in KJV, but they're really cheap. But memorizing scripture and reading and journaling, these things are difficult and time consuming at at points in our lives. But honestly, I don't think at the end of your life, you're going to look back and regret time spent with the Lord. Never. If anything, I think we're going to get to the end of our lives and we're going to go, if only I spent more time with the Lord. Yeah. Especially if you're young, like, and by young, I mean, I don't know, under like 25. If you're older than that, that's okay. Um, but like, if you're young, like, you know, like Jack and I spend so much time in the word now because life is only going to get busier, but not just is life only going to get busier, but life is going to get harder and you're going to need that word and now is the time when your brain is really developing. And so the more time you spend in the word now, the more you're going to know it, the more you're going to pick up on it, the more you're going to be shaped by it. There's a, a book I read once about, you know, Christian men. And it was about, uh, you know, a lot of older men are harder to reach with the gospel because they're just set in their ways, completely set in their ways. And they, they don't want to change. So when you get older, if you read the Bible once a month or once a week during Sunday on the time you go to church and that becomes your set way, then you're going to wonder why you're so deprived of the spirit. And you're like, I want to hear from God. And he's like, well, how often are you reading? How often are you sitting and just kind of listening to him? So fall in love with them now. Now is the time, not tomorrow, not next week, not when you get to college, not after you finish sinning to the person who is saying, well, I'm caught up in this sin now and I'll, I'll do it later. No, later is not the time. Now is the time. Let me take a verse out of context real quick. Esther 4.14. Maybe you were made as a time as this. The verse is so out of context. Go read Esther and um, actually like see what it means. But I mean, for real, this is the most important time of your life. Today, beginning that extreme personal devotion, there was something my pastor said once. He said in the story of Judas in Mark 13, um, in the story of the woman with the alabaster flask. He says, you either conveniently um, betray Jesus or radically follow him. So as you're walking today, are you going to conveniently betray Jesus or radically give up everything to follow him? That's, yeah.
that's all that's all I have. You got anything else? No, I mean I think that's a that's a perfect way to bring this to a close and I'm excited. Um on our next episode we get to talk about uh accountability and through accountable relationships. So what does this buzzword of accountability mean? How do I hold someone accountable in a really practical sense? And how do I myself find accountability through certain sin struggles or through certain practices that I've been trying to get rid of? So if that episode speaks to you, I know it speaks to me because accountability is hard and is something that, you know, is difficult, but I think we all want freedom from certain things. So we're going to talk about accountability and how discipleship plays with accountability. So I'm very excited for it. All right. We will see you all in the next episode.